Glad you could join us today. My name is Daniel Cavanaugh, and I'm here with my dad, Charles. This is Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We're in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And we are moving along here in our third week of our study on the Old Testament Christmas. Basically, what we're doing is taking Old Testament passages, prophecies, and looking at them. Obviously, our hindsight is 2020, as we keep saying, but we want to be able to try to put ourselves in their viewpoint and see what they would have seen and what was happening at those times when, in particular, Isaiah was prophesying these things of what was to come in regarding to the birth of Christ. Now, I will say this again. We're still raspy in our voices. Just so that our listeners know, we are taking medicine, but it's just trying to kick all this stuff as much as we can. Oh, only do so much, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, all that to say is, is today we want to talk about, in regards to Old Testament Christmas, the birth of a sovereign, particular Isaiah seven fourteen, talking about the virgin birth, incarnation, with the view of Isaiah the prophet being obviously everything here, and he's prophesying to a king, which we will see was ultimately to strengthen his faith. So. Four things we want to see. This will be a two-parter again. Uh, first of all, God, the prime mover behind the Christmas reality. Number two, the power behind the Christmas reality. Number three, the plan behind Christmas reality. The And then the proposition behind Christmas reality with those last two being next week right. um, when we meet again. So first of all, jumping in here, God, the prime mover behind the Christmas reality. What do we mean by this? Well, I think most people, you don't have to be in business to be familiar with that term. When someone is the prime mover, you know, they're the one that makes things happen. They are primary. <laughs> yeah, and certainly God is a prime mover behind all things, but he's certainly the prime mover behind what we know as Christmas reality. Now, it's interesting that the, that most of us know the passage where it says, Behold, a virgin so conceived, right. shall bring forth a son. You should call his name Emmanuel. But we don't think of the context and the story for which it was given. Right. There was yeah. a king by the name of Ahaz, and as far as we know, it was a believing, a genuinely believing king. He's a good king, Judah. And there was a threat of uh, attack from some outside sources, and we're not going to go into all that except to say that Ahaz was somewhat um, uh, fearful, right. concerned. As many people would be. About their ability <laughs> to withstand these right. attacks. They possibly outnumbered that sort of thing. So God sends Isaiah to Ahaz to assure him that that he will deliver these attackers into his hand. You don't have to worry. You know, I'm right. with you on this. And but in the process, uh, the Lord offers Ahaz what you'd call a, a a help. He says, "Ask for yourself a sign." Which is so odd. Yeah, usually... Compared to what Jesus says... It's God who initiates us. Right. Well, Jesus says, you know, even adulterous generations seek a sign. Yeah. But in this situation, it was different. And a sign is generally a sign of of, uh, of a lack of faith. Right. And and perhaps that's part of the issue here. So God, through the prophet, says, ask for yourself a sign. But Ahaz, not one to be presumptuous or presumed upon God, says, no... I'm not going to ask for a sign. I believe God. And... uh, (laughs) Right. and so it is in this context that we call, uh, we see the weakness of man. You know, in the things of God, in the work of God, in the plan of God. And God's the prime mover. But what we do see illustrated here is weakness. Ahaz, a king, a man who has armies, but now is facing some 
what he thinks is possible to defeat in spite of what God has said, struggling God, offering a sign, saying, ask for a sign. Ask for the sign you want. You may right. it, make it up. And so, uh, uh, and I think that illustrates something to you and me, to those who are listening, we are weak. You know, right. Well, we, it doesn't matter. I think. I think that's the thing. Is it's almost as if we can, it's hard. You don't want to. You don't want to put too much upon the pastor. It's almost as if God is like. It doesn't matter if I give you a sign. Your struggle still is an issue of right. Lack There's of still faith. struggle there. So, right. So. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, that's that's what's illustrated at least in part here is the weakness of man, the weakness of the king. Certainly, we see our own weakness. You know, illustrated a little bit in Ahaz, but we also see the work of God. God is always at work. You know, often we'll pray God. Would you intervene in a situation? We kind of have to intervene in situations. God is in situations. He's in right. all situations. He's the giver of all things, the guide of all things. And But since Ahaz says, no, I'm not going to ask for a sign, then the Lord comes back and says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. I'm going to give you one whether you like it or not. Yeah, that's the context <laughs> of that phrase. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive. Which, you think about that, and you think of all the, I don't know, implications <clears throat> of the phrase, how could he have not been strengthened in his faith, knowing there is one to come? And of course he would have known, as a king who was required to know certain things, all the other prophecies. So this is, I mean, it's, it's this re, actually it's a reaffirmation of what is already true. Yeah, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment, but I think what at the very least we see as we look at Christmas, that Christmas is a work of God, not Christmas as we know it, we understand. Right. Some of the practice of Christmas. Interestingly enough, I just saw a post on Facebook from someone I know this week saying that, that Christmas was celebrated by the early church and wasn't swiped. It wasn't swiped from, stolen right. from pagans. I hadn't heard that Interesting. Before, but nevertheless, um, Christmas it is about more than we often say it is. It's about the work of God. God at work to bring about something, which we will get to later as well. So we see the weakness of man. We see the work of God. And, and it's interesting you say that you know, God did not have to intervene in this situation. He doesn't have to intervene because he is in the situation. That's right. As you said, I mean, that we have to keep that in mind here. It's not like, oh, bummer, I guess better yeah. do this. Yeah. This is part of his plan all along. Why do we, yeah, why do we pray? We don't pray because we want God to get involved. We pray because God is involved. And he's the one who can do something about it because he's the one who's the right. prime mover behind right. what's happening. He's certainly the prime mover behind Christmas reality. What we see as Christmas, <clears throat> what we know as Christmas reality, God is the one who's worked to bring it to pass. Okay, so God is the prime mover behind Christmas reality. What about the power behind Christmas. And we don't want to overuse that word because I think power can be used a lot, but what there is power here. Yes, and, and you you see it when God says to through the prophet to Ahaz, Behold, the virgin will conceive and bring forth a son. Now, you and I talked about this on before we came on. The word miracle is overused. It's way overused. <laughs> this is definitely reason to use the word miracle, the miraculous conception of Jesus. A virgin conceiving is a miracle. 
a person, a human conceiving, not a miracle. It's marvelous. It's amazing. It's, it's God designed. It's part of nature. It's what God yeah, has put in yeah. place. The yeah. birth of a baby is not a miracle. People say, oh, that's, the birth is miraculous. No, it's not miraculous. Not not in a real biblical sense. It is amazing. It is marvelous. But God has set that in nature, in order. Now, in order. I would say if there are, quote, physical inabilities for people to have children... Yeah, that is somewhat miraculous. That, that may very well be the case. Right. We're talking about something that's humanly impossible, and God makes it happen. That's a miracle. But um, <clears throat> but it is humanly possible for people to get pregnant because right. made it humanly possible. God right. has made it humanly possible. But we do see here the miraculous conception of Jesus. Women don't get pregnant without, without a man. man. <laughs> it don't happen. <laughs> right. Uh, it does now. Even if you believe in in vitro fertilization, still had to have a man. Right. You had to get that sperm somewhere. And I think it's interesting. I heard a, a theologian say this one to me. It could not have happened any other way. This had to happen this way. Well, for Jesus to be 100% God and 100% man, this is it, yeah. So we see the miraculous conception of Jesus. We see the marvelous gestation of Jesus. I'll stop to think about this sometime. That God was gestating. Uh, it blows my mind away when I when I take the moment to think about it. When I sing those Christmas carols, and when I say Christmas carols, genuine Orthodox Christmas carols, yeah, not jingle bells. Um, I, 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 it's it's your my mind almost wants to explode with right. that thought. That what many of us have seen films of of conception, seeing the sperm and how it goes right. through and the woman. It, it it attaches to the ovary and it right. it fertilizes the ovary and then that creates a zygote that attaches to the womb and which is all marvelous and then when it attaches to the womb begins to grow becomes an embryo that is marvelous <clears throat> and then it grows and it starts to look like something and doesn't have ears for what then it does have ears it does have hands and it does have other body parts and that's amazing. But the, think of the marvel of God doing that. Becoming God man. becoming an embryo, a baby in the womb, developing at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months. That is a marvel beyond anything we can uh, come up with in human terms. And so God is, we are, it is predicted, God will come to birth. Mm. Uh, which her. is significant because it had to be this way so that he could be fully God, yet fully man, and die yeah, for yeah. our sins. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we have this marvelous gestation of Jesus. And then we have the mysterious introduction of Jesus. Jesus is introduced uh, to the world in an ignominious fashion. That's a big word. It is. What do you mean by that? It means not um, ignominious. Means un. Um, I've got to find my word here. It means unconspicuous. Not mm-hmm. at all conspicuous. It, it, not at all noticeable. Not at all important. Right. You know, the opposite of ignominious is is outward and and, and 
it ostentatious and important. Well, it kind of calls to remind remembrance, I should say, of last week talking about <coughs> humiliation and the yeah. very nature by which yeah. God came and how yeah. to humi- humiliate well, us. It recalls that, yes. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's what you're trying to see here is that this is mysterious because it's so counter way we think. It is. Now, uh, you have to take into consideration that later Jesus, even his birth would be held in question. Hmm. The, the the Pharisees would say, oh, we're not born of fornication. Hmm. That, the implication was that he was. Right, right. Uh, you, are, you, you were born in... They said that to him. Suspect yeah. circumstances, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> and then for Jesus to be carried in the womb of a young lady who's married to a man, she became pregnant before she was married to him. All this very 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 shrouded in mystery and and uh and humiliation and then at the time she's about ready to give birth to have to go to the city of david which is bethlehem to to do the census and 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 so that they can pay their taxes properly and then they have no place to stay and they're away from home i mean this is not in the day where you can call an uber you know right you're stuck on a donkey and you're nine months pregnant and you're great with child you're about to give birth and you have to go to a stable to give birth. And this to, is the birth of the sovereign. Yeah. Now, I mean, right. and that's what's so mysterious about it, because when you think of the birth of a sovereign in worldly terms, there's usually great pomp. Yeah. There's usually great circumstances. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, um, he's going to inherit the throne. Right. People certainly know of it. Some, oftentimes, kings whose wife had had a baby would bring <clears throat> present him to raving crowds to... Yeah to applauding crowds and hold him up in front of them with his arms up. But here's Jesus surrounded by manure, smelly cattle, smelly shepherds, no wise men yet. That's later. It's a couple of years or so later. But um, um, but the, the ones called to witness his birth are not what you call men of reputation. They're shepherds. They, right. They're not the guys you really want around all that much. So... And, and, you know, we sing, uh, it says, lowing, uh, you right. know, and that sort of thing. We just think this peaceful, nice scene. Well, I'm sure it was quiet. They're out of the weather. But it's not what you call a really cool place to be. So we think about this in the, the application for our lives this Christmas. As we look at to the new year, what does the fact that he's the prime mover and he's the power behind the Christmas reality have to do with us today? Well, we see what Isaiah is saying. We see it fulfilled. But what about us now? Well, I want to leave most of that for next time. Uh, but I see the, the implications are pretty, pretty clear that Christ is not that God is not just a prime mover behind the nativity and the, the birth of Christ. He's the prime mover behind us, our mm-hmm. salvation, our lives, our future. He is genuinely sovereign. Our eternity. That's exactly right. When sovereign means to rule over uh, all. <clears throat> That's what he does. He rules over all these aspects of miraculous aspect of Christmas and the marvelous aspect of Christmas are goosebumpy, not because of just the emotional aspect of present day Christmas, but of the the historical, prophetic, eschatological, saving aspects hmm. of Christmas. We'll talk more about that next Amen. time. And we'll look forward to next week. 
and digging more into that application. Maybe I'll have some voice. And maybe we'll have some voice. <laughs> well, we do thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you next week. Crosstalk is a production of Vision for Living Ministries. This is a free resource, but if you would like to support us, you can do so by visiting visionforliving.org forward slash support. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website where you will find other resources, including our blog. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash V4L. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at visionforliving.org or send us a message on Facebook. Join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond.